Let us pray. <clears throat> God of us all, take our ears and hear through them. Uh, take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. So Friday uh, was the 12th day of Christmas with its 12 drummers drumming. Friday was the end of, of Christmastide. Yesterday was actually Epiphany, or Three Kings Day. And so we are stretching it just a little to celebrate Epiphany today, although I'm never eager for Christmas to end, and so I'm always glad for another day of trees and candles and lights and poinsettias. Now in this country, of course, for many people, Epiphany is, is not really all that big a deal. For most people, probably in this country, Christmas has long since passed. It's been boxed up and stored away for a week or more at this point. But, as some of you know, in a lot of other countries and cultures, Epiphany is actually the high point of the season. It is a festive day of celebration. It's often the day on which gifts are given. So if you had a hard time waiting for December 25th, just try to add 12 more days to your wait. Now, in Mexico, in Mexican homes, there's actually a special bread baked to celebrate this day. It's called Rosca de Reyes, or Three Kings Bread, and we have a loaf uh, for our communion service today. It's round, or in this case, it's oval to uh, symbolize the unending love of God. Uh, there's some dried fruit on top of it to symbolize the, uh, the jewels and the crowns of the, uh, at least by legend, kings. And inside, there is a, a small plastic figure baked, a figure representing or signifying the baby Jesus. And it's said that whoever gets that small figurine when they're eating the bread, uh, it's a sign that, uh, of good luck for them. The other thing, though, is that if you get that small figurine, you have to host a tamale feast on February 2nd, on Dia de la Candelaria, or the day of the feast of the presentation of Jesus at the temple. So it turns out, not everyone wants to get the figurine. In fact, one baker said that some people will put it under their tongue or some people will swallow it because they really do not want to have to pay for the tamales. So that had me thinking this week, what do we do with Jesus, especially when it becomes costly? And I was thinking of that question as I've been reading through this story from Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Magi from the east came, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? It's helpful to notice what happens in this story with these characters. What does Herod do? What does Herod do about this child? Now, remember, this was King Herod the Great. He's the villain, but he was also uh, a great Builder. He had a large public works program, and you can still see remnants and remains of some of his great public projects standing in uh, Israel and Palestine today. So Second Temple, the Masada, and uh, Caesarea Maritima. King Herod the Great. But in truth, Herod was only the king because the Romans had given him the throne. Remember, Roman Empire. It was the Romans who ran that whole part of the world at that time. So Herod was functionally a vassal king. He served at the pleasure of the Romans, and that meant his hold on power was tenuous. He saw threats at every turn. Herod was insanely 
suspicious. He had three of his own sons strangled because he viewed them as potential political rivals. When he began to question the loyalty of his favorite wife, Marion, he had her killed too. Herod was ruthless. He was vicious. He was violent. Herod was feared. And when he heard about the birth of a child born king of the Jews, Herod became fearful. And as we heard, he plotted to use the Magi to find this child. And when his plans were thwarted, when they went home by another road, he was enraged, insanely enraged. So much so, and this is the next story in Matthew chapter 2. He'll send his troops to Bethlehem and have them kill every child under two years of age. Fear drove a very powerful ruler in Jerusalem to kill children in what we would now call the West Bank. This is an ancient story. It is a timeless story. It is a very current story. Now, there's another set of bit players in this story, and they're very interesting to me. When Herod is trying to find this child, he calls in the chief priests and the scribes. He calls in the religious professionals. He calls in people like me, people like Kristen, people like Kurt. The Magi had come to Jerusalem. Uh, perhaps they knew about Isaiah 60. We heard that earlier, right? Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Maybe that's where they got the idea for what seemed to us like kind of unusual gifts. But even if they didn't know about Isaiah 60, where else would they go? Where else would you go if you're looking for a king but to the seat of power? They go to Jerusalem. Turns out they're nine miles off. But the chief priests and the scribes, they know the scriptures well. They would have known, of course, the words of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, but they also know the words of the prophet Micah, words that we heard just a few nights ago on Christmas Eve, Micah 5. But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, one whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. And they're right. They know to point the Magi toward Bethlehem. But what do these religious professionals, what do these chief priests and scribes do with this deep knowledge? Nothing. The Magi venture on, and they sit tight. And I wonder why. They know the scriptures. They know the prophecies. They know the promise. They stay put. All their study, all their learning, all their knowledge doesn't seem to make much difference for them at all. Why is that? My guess is that they were just very comfortable with who they were, what they knew, and the way things were working out for them. They were comfortable with the certainty of their religious beliefs. They were comfortable with the role they played in the machinery of power in Jerusalem. They were comfortable with the status quo. And then, of course, there's the Magi in this story. What do they do? So the Magi, these wise ones from the east, not really kings and no indication at all, there's only three of them. But these Magi followed the star to Jerusalem. They discover they're nine miles off. The star gets them close. It's the scriptures that point them to Bethlehem. But unlike Herod, who reacts to his fears, unlike the chief priests and scribes who, who seem to be utterly indifferent, the Magi are ready to be 
surprised. They're ready to be redirected. They are willing to be wrong. They're willing to have their lives reoriented. And so they press on to Bethlehem. And when they saw the child with Mary as mother, they knelt, they paid homage, and they brought everything out that they had. They gave everything they had to Jesus. They opened their chest and offered these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The Magi saw something in the heavens. The Magi sensed something in their hearts. And they found their way to Jesus. And that changed everything. And when they leave, they uh, both literally and symbolically go home by another way. This story from Matthew 2 is an epiphany. It's an epiphany for the Magi. It is an aha moment. They see, they understand, they apprehend the meaning uh, and the purpose and the power of the birth of Jesus. Unlike Herod, whose fear drove him to use the power of force and might and violence to inflict horrific pain, Jesus comes embodying a different way. Jesus comes embodying the vulnerable power of God's love. And this child will grow up and will talk about the power of that kind of love to shape a whole new way of living together. He'll call it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of God or the beloved community. And he will show us what it looks like. It looks like forgiveness rather than revenge. It looks like compassion rather than indifference. It looks like hospitality and fearlessness, and love, always love. You know, Origen, who was a a church leader in the second and third century, Origen called Jesus the autobasilia, Greek word. It means the kingdom in person. For the Magi, finding Jesus changes everything. It is an epiphany. And we read this story year after year because this story is meant to be an epiphany for us, too. It's meant to change everything for us, too. It's meant to help us see and understand and apprehend more deeply, more clearly, more profoundly the meaning and the purpose and the power of the birth of Jesus. And the story presses us to ask, what are we going to do with Jesus? And the thing is, this isn't just a question for religious folks. Now, be truthful if you're here today. You're you're kind of a religious person. This is a question, though, for everyone, whether religious or not, because everyone has to come to terms with our fear. Everyone has to ask the question, what are we going to do when we are fearful? What do we do when we feel threatened? What do we do with the power that we wield? And we all have some power in some form. Herod and all of the Herods of the world ever since and truthfully each of us have a little bit of Herod in us Herod used his power to react to his fears he inflicted horrible pain here's the thing though I'm pretty sure that Herod was convinced had convinced himself that it was the right thing to do it was the right thing to to sustain law and order it was the right thing to keep the peace And that's the temptation we still live with. The temptation to use violence to sustain a way of life, to sustain our way of life. And so Herod in this story makes me wonder how much fear is driving the choices that I make 
or the choices that we make. Makes me wonder what harm I'm doing or, or what harm we are doing collectively. Who's being hurt to protect what I've got, to protect what we've got? Now, for those of us who are religious, uh, the chief priests and the scribes in this story, those folks make me wonder whether my faith, whether our faith, has become so settled and so certain that we're susceptible to missing what God means to do in us and around us and through us. It makes me wonder whether we value stability and tradition over a willingness to be surprised, a willingness to be wrong, a willingness to have our lives redirected. And of course, it's the Magi in this story who are meant to help us find our way, to help us see and understand and trust the way of Jesus. The Magi are learned, and they are curious. It's their willingness to venture out, their willingness to listen to the wisdom of the scriptures, to follow the star, to bow in worship that leads them to Bethlehem, that leads them to the long-expected one, that leads them to God with us, that leads them to the Messiah who will lead the way for all of us to the mercy and the justice and the wholeness and the healing of God's beloved community. The story of the visit of the Magi holds the promise that we can find our way to Jesus, that we can find our way toward the kind of life together that his love and his grace and his wisdom and his spirit make possible. And I wonder if I'm enough of a dreamer to keep hoping and believing and trusting in the way of Jesus. So this morning we are going to come and share a communion. We come to this table to, to remember the birth and the teachings and the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. We come to remember the kind of life that he lived and to remember the kind of life that he calls us to live together. And we come to this table uh, looking ahead looking ahead to the day when God will finally and fully make it so, the day when God's will is done on earth as in heaven. And today we have this three kings bread, this Rosca de Reyes. Um, I got it yesterday from Dos Hermanos Bakery, which, by the way, they moved from North Williams. They're down on uh, Southeast Stark now. You should definitely go visit there. Really good bakery, really good stuff there. I walked out with, with more than this, I should say. I asked them, this loaf actually, or this, this, uh, this, this bread uh, actually has three uh, plastic figurines. So three of you have a chance at hosting this all for tamales later. Um, sometimes these breads are baked with both dried fruit and, and nuts. And I asked them, and they specifically told me that there are no nuts. So now as we uh, prepare uh, to come, um, I invite you to for a moment reflect on your place in this story. Um, what do you need to let go of? What gets in the way of following Jesus? What gets in the way of finding uh, the grace and trusting the wisdom of Jesus? And, and what do you have to offer? What gifts do you have to share in the work of Christ and his gospel? And where is the Spirit wanting you to go? What is the Spirit asking you to do? As we come... Let us, like the Magi, bow and pay homage to the one uh, born a child and yet a king. Amen.